This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. To start this series into the deep, I believe that Jesus is inviting us. Actually, he's beckoning us. It's a strong invite, okay? He's calling to all of us to follow him out into the deep, into deeper waters, into deeper places with him, places that might seem even scary and unknown. Here's where I want to caution us don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to say yes to where Jesus is inviting you to follow. And I believe he's inviting this church in this next season to follow him into the deep. Now, when we think about the deep, I I realize a lot of different imagery comes to mind. Uh, Most of it positive, but I'm sure for some of you, the deep can be a little scary. I remember being a kid growing up in Southern California. I spent a lot of time in pools. Uh, Anybody else spend a lot of time swimming in pools? Yeah, I spent a lot of time swimming in pools, and I was in and out of the ocean all the time. And honestly, I never really gave a whole lot of thought to what lied beneath the water. Uh, <laughs> you know, that is until my older cousins decided that it would be a good idea to sit me down and have me watch the movie Jaws. Anybody remember that film? da 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 Right, forever etched in your mind. You hear those two notes on the piano, and you're looking for sharks. Well... They thought it would be a good idea to show me this. And of course, right after that, you know, as a kid, you know, especially a seven, eight-year-old, nine-year-old kid, I really thought, I really believed this, that there was a shark in my pool. (laughs) I remember swimming at night. Anybody ever swim at night? And it's dark. You can't really see through the water. And then what happens? Just that little thought in the back of your head starts to slip in and starts to try to tell you like, hey, there's a shark in the pool. And after a while, if you're not careful, you start to believe it, right? You're you're like starting to swim a little faster. Maybe you're trying to get out, Uh, you know, and for many years, that was kind of the case. Like I I began to really think like, what if there is, I know this is silly, what if there is actually a shark in my pool? And I think the reason why the deep, as we refer to it, can be a scary place is because it, it also is home to a lot of unknown creatures and a lot of unknown elements and things. In fact, most scientists today would say that we haven't even combed the the depths of the ocean, that there's deeper places that we have yet to actually go, that submarines and robots and all that can't actually go. You guys remember uh, The Abyss? Remember that movie that came out a long time ago? James Cameron film. Uh, And then shortly thereafter, uh, Titanic, right? You guys remember Titanic? Remember the scene where they're kind of like, navigating underwater and they're, they're looking at the remains of what kind of took place. And it's spooky and mysterious and kind of crazy. Well, for many of us, that's what the deep represents. It, it represents a place of terror, a place full of unknowns, a, a place full of scary creatures and sharks ready to bite our legs off and pull us under the water. <laughs> but we also see evidence of this within the scriptures. The scriptures often refer to the deep as a place that represents the vastness of ocean, uh, home to both known and unknown creatures. Listen to what the scriptures say in Genesis 1. We see an actual literal place. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the what? The face of the deep. And where was the Spirit of God? The Spirit of God was hovering over the face 
of the waters. We see actually another reference to the deep in Noah's life. In Genesis chapter 7, verse 11, it says, in the 600th year of Noah's life, how many of you would like to live to be 600 years old? Uh, Maybe, maybe not. In the 600th year of his life, in the second month, on the 17th day, that's a very specific account. On that day, all the fountains of the great deep burst forth, and the windows of the heavens were opened. And so here we see that the deep represents the, deep, the deepest place or the depths of the ocean where even the springs of life, the springs of water, come bursting forth to flood the earth. It's pretty crazy. We also see reference to the deep in other places like Job. Anybody ever read Job? Job's interesting because Job is home to a creature called Leviathan, right? That, that old sea beast, that oceanic monster. And here's what it says in, in chapter 41, verse 31 through 32 in reference to Leviathan. He makes the deep boil like a pot. He makes the sea like a pot of ointment. Behind him, he leaves a shining wake. One would think the deep to be white-haired. Okay, so this is a a picture of the ocean in response to Leviathan or this creature. Now, some people think he was a literal creature. I mean, like a dinosaur. Uh, There might be evidence for that. Some think he was kind of more of a mythic creature or even a a metaphor for, for, for somebody else. But regardless of how we approach this, the reality is, is where is Leviathan? He's in the deep. He's in the depths of the ocean. As I mentioned, the deep can represent a scary place for many of us. But in addition to the deep being a literal, or excuse me, a literal place, it also is used in reference to being a metaphorical reality showing us chaos or trouble. Uh, we see this most vividly accounted for within the language of the Psalms. We can put that up there. Psalm 42, verse 7. Many of you have read this. Deep calls to deep. I remember back in the day there was a, there was a songwriter uh, for Bethel who wrote this song. Deep cries out to deep cries out to. And it was like this happy song and everybody was dancing to the right and everybody was dancing to the left. But actually, this is a cry of lament. This is a, a song of anguish because the deep is not a happy little friendly place. The deep is a terrifying reality for the psalmist. Listen to the words. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. The psalmist in this picture is crying out to God, is saying, I'm overwhelmed and I'm drowning. All the waves, all the breakers, all the storms of life, the deep itself is coming over me. It's overwhelming me. The writer of the psalm is actually the sons of Korah. If you know anything about the sons of Korah, they were given a specific task. They were called to attend to tabernacle worship in the time of King David. And what had happened was King David's son, Absalom, had exiled them. And so if you remember in this part of David's life, his son had risen up against him, right? Son had risen up against the father. And David is driven out of Jerusalem. And who does he take with him? He takes with him the writers of this psalm, the sons of Korah. They're going with David and they're not in a good place. They're not in a happy place. They're not moving to the right and then moving to the left, okay? They are overwhelmed. They are in deep anguish. They're going through a time of great pain because the place where they want to be, the place of God's presence is the place that they've been cast out or driven from. 
The Hebrew word for deep here that we see in this passage, deep calls to deep, refers to the deepest depths of the sea. I want you to listen to what one commentator says about it. They say the sons of Korah were exiled with David and they had lost their footing. And they felt as if reoccurring waves of trouble had plunged their souls into bottomless oceans of sorrow and despair. I wonder if anybody's ever felt like that before. Many of you have, right? Especially those of you that have lost loved ones. Some of you have lost a spouse. Some of you have lost, uh, you know, a job or, or something that was close and near and dear to your heart. Maybe it was a, a season where you felt like you were, everything was going great. And then all of a sudden, that was followed by a season where things didn't work out so great. And maybe you can relate to the words of this psalm. Maybe like the psalmist here, like the sons of Korah, you felt overwhelmed or discouraged or maybe even forgotten. I know that I have. But I want you to listen to the next part of this psalm, just two verses later, Psalm 42, the same psalm, but verses nine through 10. It says this, I say to my God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why have you forgotten me? Anybody ever felt forgotten by God? Why do I, he goes on to say, go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy. Can I tell you something? There's not one experience that you and I are going to go through in this life that somebody else in scripture can't identify with. And in this particular case, we know it's David. We know it's the sons of Korah. We know that they're going through a tough time. We know they've been driven from the presence and they feel like they've been forgotten by almighty God. Can I tell you something else? Jesus knows what it's like to feel forgotten. He knows what it's like to go through this reality. Listen to what Jesus cries out to, or what he cries out to the Father on the cross. Listen to the language. It's from Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? What's Jesus doing here? Yeah, he's, he's borrowing from the language of the Psalms, of course. He's quoting his great-great-grandfather, David. He's crying out to the Father. And he's doing so from a place of pain and great anguish, feeling overwhelmed, alone, even forgotten. I want you to just let that sink in for a moment. The Son of God, Jesus himself, felt forgotten. You guys, Jesus knows exactly what it's like to be in your shoes. He knows exactly what it's like to go through what you are going through or perhaps have gone through. And yet, and yet, what does he do? He beckons us to follow him into the deep, to follow him into deeper places and deeper waters, to pick up our cross and to follow him into the unknown. I wonder if I'm speaking to anyone today who can relate to this. Can I tell you something? We don't have to fear the deep. That's right, Taylor. We don't have to fear the deep or callers. <laughs> We don't have to fear the deep. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to allow what we go through to terrify us. Why? Because God meets us in the middle of it. Because God meets us in the middle of the deep. The question is not, has God forgotten us? The real question is, when you're going through a hard time and you feel overwhelmed, have you forgotten who your God is? Have you forgotten who your God is? Church, is he not the one who parts the seas? 
Is he not the one who commands the oceans? Is he not the one who comes walking upon the waves? Is he not the one that silences the storms? And has he not promised us that he will be with us even in the midst of what we're walking through? Listen to what Deuteronomy chapter 3 says, or 31 says, verses 7 through 8. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, be strong and courageous. We like this verse a whole lot at Courageous Church. For you shall go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them and you shall put them in possession of it. Next verse. Because it is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. He will not leave you or forsake you. I promise you this, church. Whatever it is that you feel like you're going through right now, you're not alone. God is with you in the midst of it. And then he says this, do not fear and do not be dismayed. You guys, we don't have to fear the deep. We don't have to fear the deep. There's no problem in our life that ultimately God doesn't want to be involved in helping us solve. There's no situation or obstacle that we're facing that he ultimately doesn't want to be involved in. And like his own son, Jesus, there's nothing that he cares about more than you. Do you guys believe that today? Just like he didn't abandon Jesus to death, he won't abandon you. Because you are the target of the Father's affection. You are what the Bible calls his beloved. You are his beloved. And he cares about what you're going through. He cares deeply about it. Sometimes I think we get into a religious mindset if we're not careful. We slip into religious thinking, which says this, God doesn't really need to be bothered with my problems, or God really doesn't care about what I'm going through, or God has better things to do. Maybe you had a parent that treated you that way, and as a result, you're projecting that onto God, but that's not our Heavenly Father. Our Heavenly Father is the one that shows up in the midst of the deep, who will not leave us or forsake us, the one who goes before us, the one who shows up in the midst of whatever it is we're walking through. That's our Heavenly Father. That's your God. And so our challenge is to deprogram from religious thoughts and ways of thinking that God is somehow removed that he's somehow distant from us, that couldn't be further from the truth. The truth is, he's with you in the middle of whatever it is you're facing. Yeah. And that, that should cause us to rejoice. So why don't we when we're going through tough times? Why is our natural default mode to say, God, why me and why this and why now? What if... Next time you face difficulty, and maybe some of you are there right now, but what if instead of saying, God, why? What if we began to say, God, I know you're here in the midst of this. So would you help me? Would you help me as we walk through this together? What if we could take the mystery and the tension and the stuff that we don't have always answers for and recognize that God didn't actually ask us to get answers to our questions, but rather to realize and to recognize that he wants us to focus on him, to focus on his presence, to focus on what he wants us to become. Because I can tell you this, there's a reason why the sons of Quran and David went through what they went through. There's a reason why you might be going through what you're going through. Yeah, it could be because of bad decisions. <laughs> yeah, it could be because of external pressures. Yeah, it could be because 
you're a knucklehead and you, you know, you need to get some wisdom for your life. But it could be that perhaps God has got you in the press and he's trying to bring about new wine. He's trying to bring about something good from your life that wouldn't otherwise come forth if you didn't go through that press, if you didn't go through that pain, if you didn't go through that, that situation. The saying, the juice is worth the squeeze. Some of you all, God's just trying to bring some good juice out of your life. He's trying to make you juicy. And we resist that, don't we? We're like, oh, something must be wrong. Or we, or, or we do this, we quickly blame the devil. It's the devil! <laughs> He's easy to blame because he is at work within the world and he loves to cause strife and chaos and, and trouble for you and me as the people of God. But sometimes, sometimes it's actually the Lord that leads us into the deep. And my question for us is, are we going to be okay with it? In this next season as a church, I believe the Lord is calling us out into the deep. He's calling us to go out and trust him where our faith is without borders, like the song says. To go out a little further, to take some steps upon the water like Peter did. You guys remember the story of Peter? Peter started to walk on the water. That is until he what? Became afraid. When he took his eyes off Jesus and he started looking at his situation, maybe it's not about the problem or the storm or the waves of the situation. Maybe it's about Jesus wanting to teach us how to keep our eyes firmly fixed on him so that we can become the kinds of people that walk on water. Wouldn't that be cool? And I don't believe that's just a, a, you know, a, a metaphor, but I, I think that the Lord is always calling us into deeper places, into places where we have to learn to trust him. And it might just be a little uncomfortable for us. It might get a little uncomfortable for you to follow Jesus into the deep. But here's the promise. He will not leave you and he will not forsake you. Therefore, you do not have to fear. You don't have to be afraid. Listen to what Isaiah 43 verses 1 through 2 says. It reminds us of this. Verse 1, do not be afraid for I have ransomed you. That's great language. This is God talking to his people Israel. He's saying, I have ransomed you and I have called you by name. You are mine. You know, God knows your name. And he says over you, if you belong to Jesus, if you put your faith, hope, and trust in Jesus, if you've become a new creation in Christ, if you become born again, you now belong to the Father. You are his. Therefore, when you go through what? Deep waters, I will be with you. That's a good promise, church. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will what? Not drown. Did you catch that? When you go through it, not if. When, if you got saved based on the promise that things are just going to be easy for you from here on out, I'm sorry, you were misled. <laughs> Apologize. But the truth is, things might actually get more difficult for you if you're willing to follow God out into the deep. But here's the good news. We don't have to be afraid because God is with us in the midst of it, in the deep. That's where he wants us to go. And he assures us that we will not drown, that we will not be overtaken. We don't have to fear the deep end. We don't have to fear or worry about sharks and sea monsters anymore because almighty God is with us. That's his promise to all who believe. And I know this about the Lord. He will never go back on his word. You can put your faith in this 
And there will come times where you'll need to have this tested in your life. The Lord will want to know that you're truly his, that your heart truly belongs to him. And so he'll test you. And how do you think he's going to test you? By taking you into deep waters, by allowing rivers of difficulty to come upon you. That's how we become the kinds of people that look more and more like his son, Jesus. The Bible says that he's conforming us to the image of his son. Didn't Jesus go through suffering? Didn't Jesus go through pain? Didn't Jesus have to walk out into some deep places? Yeah, he sure did. He sure did, but he invites us to do the same. So if we're gonna call ourselves Christ followers and Jesus followers, get ready for the deep. Get ready for waters. Get ready for storms. Get ready for the waves to come at you. But fear not, my friends, because God is with you. Amen? I wonder if God might be calling each and every one of us to step out in faith this week and maybe even over these next few months to go a little bit deeper with him. Over the course of the series, we're going to talk about different ways in which I believe God wants to draw us deeper into him, into the depths of who he is, and into the depths of the unknown, because I believe that's where we grow as people of faith. And that's what he's calling this church to do in this next season. One of the areas where I feel the Lord wants this church to grow in its faith is with regards to where the Lord wants us to begin taking ground in the physical. What do I mean by that? Well, we know that the Lord has called this church to be strong, to be courageous, to not fear the deep. And as a church, our mission is simple. It's to help people become courageous followers of Jesus. Well, it's simple, but it's not easy. <laughs> and part of the mission, or we could say our calling or mandate as a church, as believers, entails that we help people learn how to do this, how to courageously follow Jesus wherever he leads, especially when it's into the deep. And we do this every time we pray. We do this every time we worship. We do this every time we submit our lives to the teaching of the word. We do this when we serve. We do this when we share our faith with others. We do this when we go out and spread the love of Jesus and disciple people in the way of Jesus. But part of this calling also entails us learning how to shine our light in darker places, to venture out into deeper waters, to places unknown. In other words, we're called to walk by faith and not by sight. Do you guys believe that? Am I talking to anybody that believes that tonight? We also know this, though, that faith without works is what? It's dead, okay? So your faith at some point needs to have some substance to it. It needs to have some action behind it. So if, if you're just claiming that you're following Jesus and that your trust is in Jesus, but you're not willing to actually take the physical steps to follow him, then your faith is dead. So what we do as the people of God in the supernatural should ultimately manifest itself in the physical and vice versa. Do you guys believe that? Which means that part of our calling as a church entails the very real and physical dimension of possessing land and I believe building. And we know that we're not quite there yet as a church, okay? We're still growing, we're still learning, we're still taking baby steps together. But I believe in this next season, God, we, God wants us to begin to take some new steps to move closer into where he's calling us to shine our light in those deep and dark places. And where does God want to do that? Well, where it's the darkest, right? Places of real darkness, places where there's real need, places where I believe we can make a real difference as a church. And as of now, we believe, in, and for some of you that have been on our team now for a while, we, we talked about this a couple weeks ago in our team meeting, but I believe the Lord is calling us to move closer into the city, not further away from it. Why? 
because I believe that he's calling us to shine our light where it's going to be seen and where it's going to have the most impact and where we see the most need and the greatest opportunity to make a difference. And that's what this church is called to be about and to do. As a result, here's what I believe specifically he's wanting us to do in the next 30 days as we look at some real opportunities to do this. I believe that he's wanting us to pray and to fast. To pray and to fast. And so as of tonight, I am calling on this church. I'm calling on all of you, those that call Courageous Church your home. For those of you that are a part of our team, I'm calling on you to fast with us for 30 days. And here's specifically what I believe the Lord wants us to do in this fast. He wants us to, number one, fast entertainment and media. That means your Instagram and Facebook and Netflix and movies. Why is this number one? Because this is the one that we probably have the greatest addiction to as a people. Let's just be honest. Number two, I believe he wants us to fast one meal a day. For those of you that can do more than one meal, do more than one meal. But I believe that the Lord wants us to fast one meal a day so that, number three, during that time where we're fasting that meal, we can pray for 30 minutes. We're going to call it 30 for 30. 30 minutes a day for 30 days. And here's the specific things that we want you to pray for as a church as we begin to embrace the call to take next steps into what the Lord is leading us to as a people of faith. Number one, he wants you to pray for your leaders. That would be myself, Pastor Candace. He wants you to pray for your church. That would be those of you, all of you. He wants you to pray for open doors. We really need the Lord's favor right now in what we're doing. I mentioned that we're actually looking at trying to move back to Sunday mornings and we're knocking on some doors and right now we've got some, some leads, but we really need the Lord to open the right doors for us. And number four, we need finances to do it. It's gonna take resources to do what the Lord is calling us to do. Now, why a fast, Pastor Jason? That's probably what some of you are wondering right now. A fast is a very unique and specific way to draw closer to God by abstaining from things that feed our flesh it's a way to starve your fear and feed your faith. All right, that's the line that I want you to run with over these next 30 days. I want you to starve your fear, your appetites that lead to places of fear and places of want, and I want you to feed your faith. When you fast, you're saying, God, I trust that you're my provider, that you're gonna bring sustenance, that you're gonna be everything that I need, that you're gonna meet every one of my needs, and that what I really need is to hear from you. What I really need is to hear from heaven. Anybody with me tonight? I recognize that for some of you, you know, uh, this might be a challenge. Maybe none of you have ever fasted. Maybe some of you have. But here's what I really want us to do. I want us to commit to do this. All right, now I've been a part of corporate fast before where I've, sh you know, shook my head and said, okay, pastor, and then I, I didn't do what, what he asked me to do. Here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to, prayerfully consider this and to take this seriously because I believe the next 30 days are going to be crucial for this church. I believe that there's going to be some major breakthrough. For some of you, this is going to lead to breakthrough in your life with regards to your own finances. Some of you, it's going to lead to breakthrough in your life with regards to maybe uh, altars of idolatry or addiction to things that God just kind of wants to break the yoke of. And for some of you, it's a way just to draw closer to him, if nothing else, for 30 minutes a day. Some of you are like, I don't know if I can pray for 30 minutes. That's okay. 
Pray for five and then be silent for 25, <laughs> okay? Or pray for 10. Some of you might be like, okay, I'm gonna blow through all four of these in like five minutes. You probably will. You probably will, and that's okay. But then take the rest of that time to ask the Holy Spirit this. How can I continue to contend for these things? Holy Spirit, what do you wanna say to me in this time and season of fasting? We're not doing this to get God's attention. We already have it. He's already interested in us. He already loves us. We're not doing this to twist God's arm. That's not how this works. This isn't a magic formula. We're not treating God like he's some Pez dispenser in the sky. We're gonna fast and we're gonna get what we want. No, no, no. This is a grace from the Lord. It's a gift from God to his people to aid our spiritual life as we draw closer to him, to hear from him and to see spiritual breakthrough in our life. Okay, that's the principle behind this fast that I want you to grab a hold of. To starve your fear and to feed your faith, amen? amen. To starve your fear and to feed your faith. So this is what the Lord is calling us to. We're gonna begin it on Tuesday because I'm not mean and evil. And I do realize some of you are gonna start barbecuing tomorrow and, and uh, you've probably got some things you're doing on Memorial Day. That's great, all right? But Tuesday, which I believe is what? May 31st? to June 30th, okay? So for 30 straight days, I, I did the math and I'm pretty sure it's accurate. Stephen can fact check me later. But for 30 days, we're gonna fast. Some of you, maybe your health restrictions don't allow you to, to skip a meal, that's okay. Do the other two. But don't just pick and choose, okay? If you can, do all three because I believe there's power when we disconnect and when we draw close to God and when we pray. And that's really the point, is that we really need to pray, you guys. There's been, I, I'll just say this, over the past 30 days, I've had so many people reach out to me and say, Pastor Jason, I feel like my life is falling apart. I feel like I'm under serious attack. Many of you here tonight have reached out and have said that to me. So here's what I want to do. I want to starve your fear and I want to feed your faith. And I want to lead you in a time of courageous prayer and fasting where you can contend for breakthrough and see God do some things that maybe he hasn't done yet in your life because you're willing to disconnect for a season. I recognize Jurassic World's coming out in like 10 days. I recognize Stranger Things dropped. I recognize Obi-Wan. Can, I, I get it, okay? I like movies. I like entertainment. I like Instagram. You guys know me. But here's what I'm gonna believe God for. I'm gonna believe that if we could lay that down for a season, for 30 days, and really press into the presence, really enter in together, that we're gonna see breakthrough for this church, we're gonna see lives changed, and we're gonna see some personal healing and growth together, amen? Thank you for listening today. If you were blessed and you wanna be a part of what God is doing through Courageous Church, including ways that you can give, visit us online at courageouschurch.com.